continuing our chats with Mountain Memories. And I think one of the most consistent teams over the past, well, eight, no, 2008, so let's work that out, 10, 12 years at the Alaman TT and further afield on the short circuits will be the Bournemouth Kawasaki team. And the boss of the team, Peter Exton, joins us live from his shop. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Bournemouth. So hopefully you guys have got the same. And um, yeah, hopefully, I know your lockdown is slightly different to ours, but um, yeah, let's hope that you can get out a little bit and, uh, and enjoy the environment. Have you always been interested in bikes? Why set a bike shop up? What was your, what was your background? Yeah, so a little bit of a strange one. Um, if, we, if we've got time and everyone's not too bored, I was, I was born in Southampton. Um, two months later, my father got a job at Rolls-Royce in Derby and we, uh, we hoptailed it up to Derby. And uh, my dad was always into bikes. He rode Southern Centre scrambling, not motocross scrambling in those days. And um, yeah, we enjoyed going to watch grass track. My dad only had a um, a bike license so off we went in a Robin Reliant because that's all he could drive and um, myself and Mick, Mick Exton, a lot of people know Mick, he's got his own off-road schools, he's done Dakars and everything else and yeah we went off doing trials riding, national trials so up and down the country Robin Reliant with a homemade trailer on the back um, with his old bull tackle and fantics and, um, and that's where it all started and um, the love of motorcycling never went away. Um, so unfortunately, my dad passed away in 2000. That's roughly um, two years into having my own motorcycle dealership. Prior to that, I worked at Crescent Suzuki, so a very well-known dealership. Um, 95, I left there, set my own little shop up in Bournemouth. 97, we became off-road dealers. 98, road bike dealers. Uh, and then literally James's dad came in the dealership one day and said, my son's going to ride for Gearlink. Uh, 2003, I believe it was. Um, and um, would you sponsor him? And yeah, we, we got involved a little bit, moved away from motocross. And um, well, I think they can say the rest is a little bit of history. You know, we know James dabbled at the Isle of Man in uh, 2009, uh, 2008 or 2009. Mm. On the yeah, eight, yeah. Um, I think Jamie Robinson was another newcomer that year. And then we went with Build Base. We, we ran Build Base Bournemouth Kawasaki in the British Championship. James Hillier and Alex Kamiya um, were, were our riders then. And um, then we moved on to Luke Stapleford. And we've stuck with James ever since. 2010 was the first year we went there with green bikes, Bournemouth Kawasaki bikes. And um, wow, what, what a story it's been since then. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's in a very, very addictive drug is your island, Chris. Well, I've got to talk about this place. I mean, what did you know about the Alaman before you decided to bring your team here? What did you know about the place? Had you been here before that? Well, that's, um, yes. Um, so it's very, uh, uh, almost quite a sad story. So I've only ever been to the Isle of Man before 2010 on one occasion. Uh, and uh, it was in 2003. And we arrived on the island uh, in the morning. And um, we positioned ourselves down at the, the, the Crosby crossroads there opposite oh, post office. All right. And mm. you know the rest of the mm. story, Chris. Mm. Mm. Um, my, well, yeah, we saw three, three practice laps, I believe, or two practice laps. And um, up to the left of us was, was catastrophic incident. And um, that really did put me off, to be honest with you. We, we were only over there for practice week. We went home. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't for, um, you know, all those years after that that we came back with James. And um, those thoughts are always with us, aren't they, with all those you know, tremendous riders with all the riders that have, that have had fatalities. But yeah, it was a baptism of fire. Um, but it, it certainly got the, 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 the juices flowing. And um, wow, you know, those days when we just stood there and watched the practice sessions, 
in, in the morning or in uh, yeah, early mornings as well mm, then. It was um, then, yeah. Ever dreamt that we would be back there with such a phenomenal rider, great team, and having a TT win under our belt. Amazing, just amazing. A TT win and some fantastic performances by James, who we'll, we'll touch on it again a little bit later on in the interview. And he's kind of made your team go. Him and Phil have got such a good partnership. Phil Higgs, who's your, your, your crew chief. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, there's a little story with Phil as well. In, uh, in 95, when we opened our little dealership after I've left Crescent. Um, Phil turned up on his DT50 um, and came and bought a jacket from me. Um, that was his first bike he'd ever had. He'd just done his CBT training and I've employed him since that day. So since the day he left school, he's been with me at Bournemouth Kawasaki um, and he's been a massive part of it for sure. Not so much with BSB uh, and early days with BSB, but when the team grew so big, we couldn't manage it from Bournemouth Kawasaki. The BSB team moved away to Ray Stringer's workshop and then to um, FW uh, in Preston. But the, the TT in the Northwest has always stayed in-house here. We can walk through to the workshop and see the bikes. Phil has always been a massive part of it. And the day that Phil decided that he wasn't going to go racing for 2020 was, was very, very difficult. And um, what happened was... Um, James had sort of made noises that he was going to move away. And, um, you know, we, we, we welcomed that. It had been a long, long time. And James wanted to know what it was like to ride something else. Phil decided that was probably the time that he might hang his, hang his uh, overalls up rather than his <laughs> levers. And, um, and that was it, really, until um, a certain Mr. McGuinness um, phoned. And um, our ears pricked up. Um, we, um, we decided that, that, that John, along with Alistair Seeley, would, would make a great roads team. And um, yeah, that was the appetite that, that, that drew us all back in again. I've got to ask you about James. I mean, the performances he did for you all the way through. And I, I know James quite well. And we always have a chat off and stuff. But soon, you know, he has a bit of a laugh and a joke. You boys all have a good bit of banter. When he first won that lightweight TT, I mean, you and Julian and the team... Explain that feeling, what it was like to finally get your hands on one of those silver ladies. Oh, that's a really difficult one, Chris. You know, every year we've, we've been, or well, most years we've been privileged to be able to run from the Parc Ferme along the grandstand into, into, the, into the top three enclosure. And just to do that is an amazing experience going down there. It's, you can still hear the bikes crossing the line and sometimes you don't know if he's second or third and in some cases we ran down there and Bruce Anstey pips us by the thousandth of a second in, 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 a, in a senior in 2013. So it is an amazing experience but to think back and see that trophy and James up on there with, with the scouts and the music, the, the music, the national anthem, what an amazing experience. Yeah, that that it can only be um, similar to the day that Leon held the British Superbike Championship, but almost in a in a different way because the the the, the TT is um, is so special. You, we all know what the tracks like and what what the bikes have to be like, how well they have to be maintained, and it is it is an amazing experience. We myself and James left the TT that year after having an incredible year but we actually um instead of turning right off the ferry to Bournemouth we turned left and we we went to the Lake District and we we camped out and we went to a few places around and it, we, we just took it all in and we, we had a little um uh, a little go on a little paddle steamer <laughs> around the lake at Lake District and we, 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 ju we just laughed at each other and said wow what happened there that that was absolutely incredible so 
big memories, big big memories. But I, I'm I'm desperate to get that slightly bigger trophy, Chris. I really am. Mm, and you've got the man in in the case to do it. I'm just looking at the stats on here. I mean, 58-ish starts and only failing to finish a couple of times. I mean, that is that's that's pretty good reliability from from your boys in the back room, isn't it? It certainly is. And um, uh, two of those, um, one was um, two. I think it's 2012 where the the wind really picked up during the race and, and James just misjudged the corner at the Craig and, and, and just hit the, the, the safety barrier. So perfectly safe and fine, no problem at all. And then uh, 2018 was that uh, terrible little um, mishap at, at, um, at Bagaro where the bike bottomed out um, and that could have been a lot, lot worse. So, you know, we really thank the marshals and everybody else and that everybody was safe through there, especially the riders right behind him. Um, and then I think I think we had a silly situation with a fuel cap come off, um, and that's almost it. Four DNFs, fifty-eight starts. It, it, yeah, it, it's it's credit to James, but he, even this circumstance, even more credit to to Phil Biggs and his team that he puts around him because he prepares an amazing bike. And I would hope that uh, fifteen, eighteen years in in a Kawasaki dealership where you, you have to use that sort of skills on customers' road bikes, because equally they're riding on the road all the time. That, that's what gives him that, that little edge, and uh, he's such a perfectionist. When you're not at the paddock and you're not doing the corporate thing with Kawasaki, etc., do you like to go around the island while you're here? Where's your favourite spot to go just to go away with the missus or whoever, family, friends, whatever, and just chill? Any, anywhere particular? Yeah, I'd... I, I think really for me, up up at the bungalow is 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 pretty special. Um, you can have a nice wander around and things like that. Um, but it's a conversation I had with a customer only a few days ago that from the moment I arrive on the island to the moment I leave, I'm not sure I even leave the paddock area. Um, I have a, a specific spot that I that I stand with. There's a little shed in the Park Ferme area that's got a timing screen on it, um, and it's just where the um, just where the dyno is. And I, and I usually slot myself in there. There's usually a gate so I can climb up onto the, the wall and just watch the guys coming in and out of, of, of pit lane. And that's where I've always been, generally with um, Martin Hillier. Um, we usually stand there together. Uh, and we let the boys do, do all their hard work because running up and down with wheels and changing visors and things like that is, is probably not what I could do uh, particularly well. So that's really where I position myself. But wouldn't it? I'd, I'd love to go there and you know stand down at the the Kawasaki call it the secret garden at Ago's Leap and things like that. I, I, I would like to get out there, but I, I do feel that whilst James is on circuit, that I I need to be within the vicinity of the paddock area, and um, it's just something that that I feel I need to do, and and I always will whilst a rider is riding for Bournemouth Kawasaki, not necessarily just James, but any rider is on track. I need to be around that area. Was it a wrench to see him go? I know it's a tough question to ask. You've got the top man in, in his position, but was it a wrench? Because he was like a, a, a kid to you, like a son to you, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. It, it was a wrench, um, but I didn't try and stop him. I've always tried to stop him in before. Um, in the early years, Honda approached him and, and various things, and we always counter-offered the deal. And, and I know he wanted to stay, but and I also agree he has to... Um, up his profile and up his wage and things like that and that's fine and you know everybody wants to do that and I always tried to stop him but this year because we agreed to stop BSB I thought this is the year if we're going to do it let, let's let's let James go with our blessing um, he's gone to a good team um, you know they, they've, they've proven themselves in in BSB um, I'm sure they're going to take a few years to to prove themselves on the roads 
DJ's, you know, a very good rider and, and James is very methodical, very particular. Uh, I'm sure they'll give him what he needs and, and you know, he is part of he is part of our family. If you could see some of the times we've been out for a Christmas party and he's <laughs> been back at my house led on led on workshops and things like that, you 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 would laugh. So great family um and um, i'm i'm not sure there'll be any other team that's had a rider for as long as we've had and kept the same relationship i mean that little lightweight chris five years mm. at the tt the same bike never worse than second place you know mm. and, and we've got that bike just sat here what what an amazing what an amazing story well a new story starts now with a man who's won the tt 23 times and a good chap and he, do you know what I interviewed him just before we had all the lockdown. We had a charity night over here on the island. He came over and he flew over and he'd just really done the deal with you guys. And he was excited. And do you know what? He was keen for it. He was up for it. Him and Connor had a bit of a chat and it was really good fun to see him on really, really positive form again. How did it all come about? Who called who? Who touched each other's shoulders? Who emailed? Oh, he doesn't email, does he? Who, <laughs> who got in touch with who? Yeah, so, so John contacted me um, last year about riding uh, 600 alongside James. And we only had one 600, so we, we couldn't do it. And um, it wasn't really till about, I think it was November, late November that I, uh, I just contacted him and said, look, James is going or gone. Um, what's your situation? Um, and we just had a, we had a little chat. And um, it, we, we sort of started throwing a few ideas around between us. And um, eventually I just, I got in my pickup. It was a few days before Christmas and I just drove from Bournemouth up to, up to John's house. <laughs> as uh, you do. <laughs> as you do. Knocked on his door and what an amazing, welcoming gentleman that he is. And, and, and Rebecca and, and the kids, we, we spent more time bombing around his, his fantastic uh, house and land and he was showing me his bikes and his collection and we had a ride around on his, on his mule and, he just loves life and motorcycle racing. And he, I was, I don't get starstruck, but I was slightly nervous about going to meet John because all through our TT career, John has been the man and still is the man. And to go there and sit on his settee and, and, and talk about joining Bournemouth Kawasaki is just incredible. And it really was only a few hours after I arrived home and, and, and John messaged and said, Pete, I really like the feel of this. I'm in, I'm in. And what we did, we kept it under wraps for a reasonable amount of time because Kawasaki were having a, a dealer conference for all their dealers um, in Coventry. So we kept it really quiet. We did the dealer conference through the day and then we brought John onto the stage and all the dealers were like, wow, what's John McGuinness doing here? Wow, wow. <laughs> and we introduced him as the new Bournemouth Kawasaki TT rider and what a reception he got. And he, he did a great speech and... and um, so he, he literally arrived a bit early. He went to see Phil in the workshop. They ran through all the bikes and uh, he was on form. We had, we had a great evening. <laughs>